Welcome to the Connectors Podcast, the show that explores the importance of making meaningful connections for personal and professional growth and happiness. We will share how building and recognizing strong connections in life can help you achieve your goals, find fulfillment in your work, and how you can create opportunities to build a purposeful and fulfilling future. Come along for the journey and let's connect. Hey, well, I'm glad to have you here today, KK. It's uh, <laughs> it's um, it's interesting. It had been a year, I guess, or so, a little over a year since I had spoken to you, and we connected after attending a reinvention lab, and um, just nice to stay in contact through LinkedIn. And you know, here we are a year later, and I'm really glad to have you on the podcast. So uh, welcome today, and I'd like to give you a proper introduction. So um, KK Diaz is a business and brand strategist, coach, and seven times author. He currently serves as a CEO of A Game Business, a growth hacking and digital marketing agency that provides innovative strategies to help companies improve business performance, revenue, and brand equity. Welcome, KK. Hi, Joe. Hi, Quinton. How are you guys doing? Hey, great. good. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Oh, great. Us. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. And um, just as you were relaying how how we met, um, I'm I'm just thinking about how it it ought to be, right? Um, when people connect, I mean, we're global. You guys are in Canada. I'm in South Africa. It's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful thing. I mean, where we met and um, where the session was hosted, obviously virtual, but it was a global connection and. Uh, you know your your podcast, which I love, aptly aptly named the connectors, uh, and that's what that's what um, that's what's happening here, and that's what you guys do. So, thank <laughs> you for the invitation. I'm looking forward to a great conversation. Thank awesome. you. Thank you for joining us from another time zone and way so, down south. <laughs> yeah. So, where exactly are you uh, located? So, I'm located in South Africa, Johannesburg. The township is called Soweto. Um, a fairly well-known uh, township in uh, in South Africa. It was uh, where the 1976 uprising against apartheid uh, started. I didn't grow up in the township. I grew up uh, in quite a few uh, local places. Um, there's a further township uh, in the region um, in the same province where I grew up. I guess spent my early childhood until early uh, teenage years, but then spent my late teenage years and um, in early childhood, uh, sorry, early adulthood in um, uh, in Johannesburg in the city. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm fairly I'm fairly connected to the city too. It uh, just bring back, uh, brings back good memories when I just think about the time I spent there. Went to college there. I didn't complete my college degree, uh, but spent some some beautiful time and created some great memories there. Yeah. Awesome. I I started uh, studying at UNISA, which is the University of South Africa, when I was still mm-hmm. living in Zim. And then I moved to Johannesburg to finish that degree. Were you studying at UNISA? Yes, I was. Uh, yes, I was. I was um, distant learning uh, through UNISA, but I attended classes, um, sessions, and mm. um, and lectures at uh, Damlin uh, for about two years. Um, okay. it, I mean, it was like uh, it was like college. So you know went to class with the same people we're a small group so we you know we really connected uh for about two years and then i went to another another one called boston city college uh, okay yeah which is uh where the where the the wheel started coming off <laughs> 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 where hey. i decided look 
college and university wasn't for me, but um, maybe we'll talk about that. Or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we could but talk yeah, about cool. that because it was the same for me too. I, <laughs> I yeah. took hotel and restaurant management and I didn't finish. And uh, yeah, I've always liked the teaching, the, the school of life has been more my type of school. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and so the um, really the ironic thing for me is I've had the pleasure through the experiences I've had over the, I'd easily say the last uh, two decades, I've had the pleasure of being able to also teach at business schools, universities. So that's been very ironic, not having completed the degree. And then through the experience, through the work I've done, you know, of uh, business schools and universities have kind of, I guess, identified the work that I was putting in and they've really been um, gracious in, in giving me a platform mm -hmm. um, to, to share my knowledge and, um, and really work with some of the, the startups and the small businesses they're working with. It, it, was, it was a fun run with some of the schools um, I worked with. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. You know, like I've always found that I fit, I don't know why my writing, my thinking, it always seemed to fit well in academia and I mm. seem to do that okay. But I, it's not never been a natural thing for me. Like I, I resisted every assignment, every yeah. every exam, like even the certificates. I, it took me over a year to pick up my last certificate because I'm just like not engaged. I'm just like whatever. I got the skills. I'm I'm doing my thing sure. now. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I'd like to jump into uh, your business, a game uh, business. I love the name. Uh, you also have a podcast, the A Game Business mm -hmm. Podcast. Um, I've seen you have some really interesting guests on there as well, and you know you have an extensive background in many areas in digital marketing. Also, you've written books. Like, how did your journey start, and where did you start your A Game business? Did you start with the books mm -hmm. first? Like, how did it all, all develop for you? Well, um, <laughs> it's been a while since I actually told the story, um, but I'm I'm 44 years old now. Um, I started the journey of entrepreneurship um, without even knowing it when I was nine years old. Um, so my parents had um, my mom was looking to go to college to become a to to become a qualified teacher, and my dad um, got a promotion and uh, was required to relocate. So we relocated to Nigel, and then while my mom was at college, I needed to to go and stay. My brother and I, who was five years younger than me. Uh, we needed to go and stay with my aunt um, in in a fairly rural place. Uh, it was very interesting. I loved my cousins and my aunt. So um, Vincent, who was my my peer, uh, same age as me, cousin. One day we just decided we're gonna do. We, you know, we're gonna sell something in the in the in the school and in the in the township uh, in the northern province. And and we did that to cut the long story short. You know, we had a good run for a few months. We sold candy. Um, in the township, in the schools, and um, in our community. And then, um, to cut the long story short, I started a few little ventures in my childhood, uh, teenage years. And then when I was, sorry, I got involved in music as well along the, that time. But when I was 20 years, I decided I'm going to start a record label. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> when I was 19, I started a, a mobile pizza business, right? So I bought this <laughs> Awesome. This outdoor oven that we would move around um, different um, music concerts, and and um, but during the week we would be based at this international jazz club called the Keepies Jazz International Club. Uh, some great memories coming back from there. Mm. Uh, uh, while I was working, so my trade, I learned my trade working for a company called Pastel. 
Pestel was a few years later bought, bought over by, by Sage. So it's called Sage now in South Africa, it does accountings and payroll and so on. So I was one of the first black um, consultants way back in 2001. I just want to connect back to uh, the other businesses. So I did the mobile pizza business uh, while I was working at Pestel. I left Pestel three years later, having learned my trade, which is encompassed in digital transformation because the work that I participated in um, involved helping businesses to implement technology, to improve their processes uh, from a financial admin perspective, payroll, HR, um, making sure they complied with the local um, revenue office, um, with the labor department, those kind of things, right? Um, it, I mean, it was mind blowing for me. But the degree that I didn't complete in university were, spoke to economics, finance. I did very well in accounting and finance, auditing, tax, statistics, those kind of things, right? Um, and so when I got into that world, the numbers made sense. But what, what was brand new to me is was formal business, mm -hmm. uh, which was very intriguing. And I later discovered, I think, when I started my record label, that what I had been doing throughout my teenage years is actually what's called entrepreneurship. So I, I always call myself a late bloomer because I realized late what it is that I was doing. So it, it, it was really in, inborn, inbred. Um, and then uh, I'll, I'll stop maybe at this point uh, in terms of where it all started, right? Um, and then maybe we'll connect it with another question. But um, I worked for, for Pastel. It became Sage. I worked for them for about three years, three, maybe four years. I went full-time into the record label. The record label failed. And then a few, I guess, of one or two years earlier, I would be in the studio, would be recording, but I'd get clients from Pastel who would call me to say, no, we don't want to work with Pastel. We want to work with you. <laughs> so as a result, I started this consulting agency. It had two names before it was called A-Game Business. Um, but I realized, I guess, in retrospect, that A-Game has always been a motto of mine, um, a way of thinking, a way of being, a way of living. And it's really about always achieving or at least aiming to be the best that you can be, being a, a community contributor, being the greatest person to the self first and foremost, right? Family, community, and then it just grows from there. Um, but it's really a, about being the best performer you can be uh, as much as possible and as consistently as possible, speaking to the name and I guess the history of where it, it comes from, which is um, connected quite closely to my entrepreneurship journey. Yeah? Crazy to think that you started at nine years old <laughs> with your mate and you were like, we can see that we can sell sweets. Yeah. We're going to sell sweets until <laughs> no one's going to buy them anymore. And then we'll switch to something else. So good. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. I love hearing going back and hearing how people have, I hear this has been a bit of a common theme as well, that with some of the people we've had on the show, just how they do have that entrepreneurial spirit at a young age. Mm -hmm. And it's just cool listening to people's you know, journey and how it transpires and that, you know, what brings them to this stage of life. And it's, uh, it's quite fascinating. It's like a little bit different for everyone, but still has like some common threads to yeah, it. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm oh, thinking, oh, oh, oh. Um, I guess, uh, let's call it a fun fact. So I'm about 60 kilometers away from where Elon Musk grew up, went to school and okay. so on. So for context, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is a fun fact. You're, you're absorbing yeah. some of that energy somewhere, I guess, as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> from before Twitter, when he seemed to have crashed and burned everything <laughs> and everything touches. Just burns. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. So you you touched on some important things with your business and what it means to you, um, you know, connecting to the self, to your clients, uh, community. Um, I'd like to touch on this community-led growth, and you had brought this up in your intake form, and I love this idea of community-led growth. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how it's used in your business and where you've also seen it in others? So there are two sides to this coin, um, I'll call it, and I'll, you know, I'll just um i'll just freestyle on the answer right i'm just gonna pick it up as, as it comes mm -hmm. so you know I, I look i look at a couple of things one is what uh, people like um seth golden always speak about which is they speak about a tribe yes um, mm -hmm. and, and and that's probably the closest uh, and the most relevant answer i can give you what is community-led growth and and how does it uh, how does it play in, uh, in as far as marketing is concerned. And I think, you know, back in the day, obviously, uh, you know, you look at markets, markets were, were typically smaller, right? Uh, and maybe even before that, as as uh, as citizens, as in individuals and families, we congregate within communities, we live within community. And within those communities, there's trust, you know, there's empathy for each other, they're supporting each other. And there's wanting each other to be successful. And I think those components, um, if well transferred into a business utilizing what's called community-led growth in order to market itself, it can really embed itself within the community and build a tribe of followers who appreciate what the business does and the business in return provides value uh, even before people become customers, right? I think as businesses, sometimes we forget that um, uh, customers go through this buying journey. Sometimes it can be difficult, especially if you sell sophisticated products uh, that are expensive, um, that require a committee to make a purchasing decision over. Um, and, and so even within that business in itself, there's a little community that's involved in either buying the, the, the product or service you are using as well as, uh, sorry, that you are selling and then the users within the business uh, that are using it. It's all community. If you think about it, there are so many connections. Again, going back to the Connectors podcast, which is um, really speak to that connection we have. So community-led growth is really about creating a, a, a tribe of people who are interested in what you do. And those people typically exist before, before you, right? These are either people who've been um, looking to solve a particular problem together or um are testing new technology together or have got a career uh, career aspirations that are similar and they're pursuing together uh one company that comes to mind is parents at work that i'm also involved in uh, so this is made up uh, predominantly of women um, <clears throat> who are coaches and consultants and want to help businesses to create um, suitable conditions for working parents especially moms right as you know they can typically have quite a bit on their hands so there you go that's a community so what mm -hmm. as a business can you do for that community and not just in terms of transactional in as far as them giving you money in exchange for product or service but what are the other peripheral activities that you can get involved in how can you mm -hmm. support this community towards achieving um, what I like to refer to as customer success, where customers are always looking for some form of success at one point or another. For example, in a um, in a buying decision before they even purchase, you know, the success they need is are they making the right decision? You know, um, is what they're buying sustainable in the long run, et cetera, et cetera. And so as a business, you need to help even at that level before they become a, a customer. Um, and, and start bringing them into your community of 
you know, whatever niche, whatever uh, persona or customer segment you're dealing with. So customer-led growth is really about uh, caring, number one, being empathetic, um, being genuine, mm-hmm. and understanding that business is more than just the transactions that happen between uh, an exchange of, of money and products and services. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, I loved that. <laughs> that was such a clear description. Thank you. That it, it instantly made me think of a project that I've been working on. So mm-hmm. I do some volunteering for an organization called Red Coalition, who work against police brutality against BIPOC uh, people mm-hmm. in Quebec. And we just wrote a grant to support um, 15 families whose children have been taken away by the uh, youth protection services and Unfortunately, black populations and immigrant populations are very highly targeted or proportioned for the kids that are taken away. And Mm -hmm. immigrant families don't really know the system here. They can't get into the system Mm -hmm. and get communication. So we found a second organization that is a coach. Uh, She's a a lady who does adult coaching. She's got 20 other coaches. And we're going to create this... um, I don't know, a course or website where we house a lot of this information for free, where I'm going to gather it from the 15 families and we're going to have it free for the whole community uh, for people who need it. Does that, does that sounds like a similar sort of thing? It does. Right? It does. And I'll add one more, one more dynamic, right? Which is equally important in, the, in, in marketing, not only in today's day and age, but uh, what you are, what you are talking about, um, is what's typically called inbound marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you'd have a community that you are building, but part of the activities within building that community is um, educating them, informing them, again, mm-hmm. before they make the buying decision, after they've bought the decision, uh, the, the, after they've made the, the buying decision, how much are you helping them? Are you educating them? You know, for example, I can only imagine that um, um, the the beneficiaries that you are dealing with have got various stages at which they would typically get involved in in the system and 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 uh, until the point of which they are settled and secured in, in in an environment. So you could actually take you know your approach of informing them the videos and getting um, people who've been through the system and the different stages to inform them about what's happening. You can literally do it throughout the the process, and you you do an amazing job of adding value to them. Um, which speaks to uh, anxiety and concerns they have. Um, and if you could answer those for them, I think um, those are truly the essence of what marketing is about at the end of the day. And it's before they purchase as customers and and beyond that. So it goes hand in hand. And so the question is, okay, you're going to create a community. You obviously have a community of set uh, and said um, beneficiaries and, and and community members that you are supporting. How you do it is you implement inbound marketing, which is that educational content, as you said. So it fits nicely. It works uh, perfectly together. Mm, I yeah. definitely see how it fits really well together. And I'll just add an, another idea. The first time I'm going to do this, it's already going to be the pilot test. Like mm. I'm setting it up as though it's the final thing. And I'm yeah. not starting <laughs> step by step because I want it to be high value and from the beginning. You know, Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And it reminds me, that approach reminds me, again, of Seth Gordon. He's one of my favorite people that I follow, uh, mm-hmm. thought leaders and so on. Uh, but he says, ship it, you know, don't wait for it to be perfect. Just um, get it started, put it together and, and mm-hmm. put it out. You know, 
um, you're going to perfect perfect it along the way. You're going to get <laughs> feedback from uh, from consumers, from users, etc. And um, that's really the way mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. Which is what the reinvention method is as well, right? It's it, you know you're it's just testing something, trying it out, and then yeah. revisiting it and um, and making changes along the way. So we talk about that a lot here too as well, because mm -hmm. the podcast for us truly is you know, it's an experiment. It's it's mm. something we're trying to see how it goes and we don't try to perfect it too much, but yeah. um, it is really fun just to see how it transpires. And I think that's a, a great way to tackle um, no, these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. yeah, and congratulations again to you both for uh, the work you're doing. Yeah, very Thank impressive. You. We'd love to hear from you. Please engage with us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube. It's been fun. I, I am extremely grateful that we've we've attracted the quality of people that have been coming on the show. And mm -hmm. it, I'm just it's exciting that we can share that with globally, like you said. So, yeah, that's yeah, been really fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, can you talk a little bit about how um, sales has changed since the advent of digital transformation and what some of the challenges and opportunities are? Um, very good question. So here's the thing, um, the idea of selling hasn't changed um, in, in terms of its, its objective and what it needs to achieve within the context of a business, meaning revenue still needs to be generated and revenue is typically generated through customers and customers needs to come through the door. Once they've come through the door, somebody needs to convince them to make that initial purchase that we spoke about, which is initially could perhaps be transactional. Uh, but needs to be uh, facilitated whether it was back in the day or currently right now, right? So sales is still the same in that way. Um, however, it's changed in terms of the various ways in which we engage. Uh, for example, um, so many of us are in link on LinkedIn. I mean, I, you and I connected on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. And look at where we are today. Um, and, and if you think about it, whether you want to think of, uh, about it as a sales process um, which which I'd like I'd like to to uh, I'd like to speak to it from that perspective, right? In a sense that sales is about building relationships and seeing how you can potentially add value to people who require that assistance and the value that you can provide, and in exchange, seeing what else you can do for them in exchange um, and what they can do for you, right? Again, that's still a sorry. It's it's a Friday, and there's probably stuff happening outside. There's dogs barking. <laughs> <I don't laughs> no stress. It sounds like a party. Yeah. I've got I've got apps to silence it out. <laughs> oh, great. Sorry about that. So so just going back to sales. You know, sales again has changed as a result of the platforms that we we utilize these days. Where you know where where we where we live as customers, for example, places like LinkedIn. Um, other social media platforms, webinars, and the likes. So sales has both remained the same. However, certain components of sales have changed. For example, 
where do we hang out? You know, I, I saw uh, what I think was a video on CNN today talking about how dead clubs are, right? Mm. I mean, you look at some clubs today, I'm talking nightclubs where, uh, you know, banging music is typically played. You know, you, you, you go into some of these new age clubs and you see people with earphones, right? People are playing different kind of music and they're dancing to what it, you know, that speaks to the change that we've we've come to to experience across so many so many uh, areas of life and and business, and so sales needs to adapt um, based on who you are, mm -hmm. the type of personas and customers you 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 deal with. Um, it speaks to the products and services that you are selling. You know, are they products that can be bought immediately and delivered right now on the spot? Are they digital products? Uh, or are they manual products, uh, you know, old school products? Who are you selling to? Are you selling to end users? Are you selling to uh, a manufacturer who must still take your product, put it through the uh, manufacturing process uh, and, 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 and supply chain through the next and the likes? That will determine how the extent at which you need to adapt. Back in the day, you could just hit the pavement, whether you were selling to factories, whether you were selling to business, whether you were selling to moms and pop stores, you're selling to retail, you could literally hit the store, uh, hit the pavement, go knocking, you know, uh, show people what it is that you that you sell and the value that you provide. Uh, you didn't have as many competitors, um, but now you have a lot of competitors and you, you have a lot of different types of, of industries. So you could be selling a widget um, that you are blessed, bless you both. Um, so you, you could be selling this widget, right? Um, but you could be selling it to various types of personas. You could literally be selling it to um, a young entrepreneur. You could be selling it to a, um, you know, um, a 40 year old um, engineer. You could be selling it to somebody overseas. So depending on the platforms on which those individuals or those customer segments uh, typically live, are they online? You know, um, one of my clients um, is a is a science lab, and you know she's she's uh, at least in her previous previous career she used to work in a, in a typically city based office environment, but now she's selling chemicals um, or rather the the testing of 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 soil and corrosion and chemicals, um, you know, to to see how fertile the land is, and the need to adapt in terms mm -hmm. of selling. Because farming, farmers are so community-based, mm -hmm. you don't get in easily. So they got to meet you in person. You got to be introduced by somebody they know. And so selling to that particular segment needs to be adapted accordingly. So sales has remained the same to some extent, to a large extent, I would say. However, it's equally changed because we as people have also changed in terms of how we do business, how we live. I mean, you look at the last couple of years with, um, you know, COVID lockdown, um, you know, there was a major shift. Um, but then I look at what I've been doing since 2001, 2002 from a digital transformation perspective and how much it's always been uh, a constant, right, which is to evolve and evolve while you're still doing um, the traditional things like providing value to a customer who needs to buy it um, and wants to use it quickly. Um, and nowadays they want um, or rather they have expectations of instant gratification when they use those products. They want to get results right away. Um, and the promise you made to them, they want to make sure that um, that is delivered to them. Um, and in, in many cases, they actually want more because um, as customers nowadays, we, we, we know we can get more value for, for even less money that we pay. So it's really about adapting sales because mm. you're going to make promises, number one, and ensure those promises you're making will be delivered um, at a service level, uh, at a client fulfillment level. So, mm. yeah.
That's such a great answer. And, you know, I think about this a lot in terms of people in business, because there's so much competition, as you said now, right? So how do you really, when it comes to marketing strategies, what do you look at? Like, what are people looking for now compared to maybe what they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and the market wasn't as saturated to really stand out? And and how can they really connect to their clients? That's a good question. And I think a lot of businesses um, actually undermine the importance of um, value prior to the transaction taking place. Mm. And transaction, I'm talking about the financial one, right? So the best way right out the gate, uh, if you if you if you are new, brand new, have been around for a few years, or have been around for many years, the best strategy that I can suggest right now is what's called inbound marketing. Inbound marketing speaks to what Quentin mentioned earlier, which is how do I provide information and education to my customers or my beneficiaries or stakeholders? That will never go away, and is becoming more and more important, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, because customers not only know a lot more than most single a single business would typically know because we, you know what what does the buying journey look like they'll speak to you but they'll speak to five maybe even 10 other competitors right mm-hmm. and so the amount of information that they have coming from the same perspective as you they have that three four five sometimes even 10 times and so they are fairly informed in terms of um at, at least the options to access that information and utilize it so what you got to do is do the same compete earlier on as well um compete is one perspective you could look at it like it's a must do right but the other one is it's really something that speaks to what customers are looking for when they are looking for a trusted brand are you a company that only cares about money and so you'll only release information when they exchange um what you are selling for money or will you help them with what i said earlier which is customer success the minute they go on your website initially when they arrive for the first time they're looking for information they they're not trying to speak to a salesperson yeah. they're not trying to buy they're trying to educate themselves so using inbound marketing helps you and guides you to create content for a specific customer segment or different customer segments that you may be dealing with um you know at any one time but the point is uh, strategy the best marketing strategy today is inbound marketing. And the beauty is everything else flows from there. Mm-hmm. You still do SEO, you still do uh, pay-per-click, you still do social media, you know, you still do newsletters, et cetera, et cetera. But if you use inbound marketing as uh, the kind of the, the main framework, um, I don't think you can, you can go wrong. And once you've started, it's about seeing what works. You know, a big part of inbound marketing is reporting. See what you are doing <clears> if it works. If it doesn't change it, right? Keep testing. We spoke about um, experience, uh, experimenting earlier. That's what it's about. About some content mm-hmm. that will and complete compete earlier on in the buying, in the buying uh, uh, journey for the customer, so that you can, you know, you don't wait until it's too late before uh, customers or, or prospects come to you. Mm. I, I think it's so interesting that emails are still sort of king, right? In terms of getting your message out there Mm. like uh we've talked about this um because joe can be like hey we got 146 impressions on linkedin and i'm like okay that's not much like (laughs) we're not really doing that (laughs) that just means that people have clicked it up Mm -hmm. you know and seen it past their eyes yeah Yeah. so we want like 
people chatting and commenting. And, and it's interesting that emails were one of the first things that started digitally, and we haven't really got over them or improved them or mm. streamlined them in some way. They're still sort of the king of the system, so I don't know why. Um, if I'm, if I may, um, you know, one of the, um, if done right, one of the reasons why uh, email works so well is because you've built a trust, you've built that connection, you've built a community, mm. and you are simply communicating with community members, um, and yeah, they trust you at that point, even if it's just to read the email, right? Um, mm -hmm. But it works. You're right. and, and when you think about the cost of email, I mean, it's minute, mm. and that's why even the ROI is one of is still one of the highest um, across the the various. Um, what we call marketing modes, social media, et cetera, et cetera. Because think about it, when you attract the customers across the various com uh, components or, or platforms through which you attract traffic and converting that traffic into leads and later into prospects, where do they end up? They need to end up in the, in the, in the email system in, mm. your, uh, in your CRM so that you can communicate with them. And how do you typically communicate with them? Via email? Mm -hmm. you know, it's, yeah. it's not as intrusive as, as WhatsApp, um, you know, phone calls, things like that. And if they've given you permission, you know, um, again, going back to uh, one of the mainstay frameworks, which is permission marketing, they've given you permission to email them, you know, mm. um, it works. Trust is built. The connection is built. Um, it's, it's, it's obviously um, then depends on where they are in the buying journey. You know, are they still being nurtured? Are they ready to purchase? Have they purchased already? Mm -hmm. uh, et so never, never undermine email. It's still one of the best marketing modes to utilize, you know. Mm -hmm. Is there, I wonder if there's a sweet spot in terms of like how many emails you send out a month, let's say. Like I noticed, I, I don't know how often you send yours, but I, I kind of mm -hmm. like the frequency. It's sort of like a nice surprise. I don't get them too mm -hmm. often. It seems random, off. Yeah. It's, it's random. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I like that. It's sort of like the person who always shows up to a party. You know, it's kind of nice to be the person that only goes every once in a while and kind of yeah. pops in yeah, and shows cool. they're still relevant. And yeah. there's other, <clears throat> like for example, Mel Robbins. I love Mel Robbins, but she, her, mm -hmm. her emails are just like, I'm over you know inundated with emails like every single day from her and wow. I, I i had to unsubscribe because i was just like it's too much too so much. yeah so i don't know is there a sweet spot and you purposely do yours yeah. randomly is that what you're saying yeah i i do but but also because um you know i'm personally so busy I, i've got a team but i still like to communicate with my with my community so the emails are coming definitely from from myself um but i'm also sensitive to the type of information we send um and and the frequency uh, as you say right so i'm, I'm gonna give you uh, i guess different perspectives to the answer one is uh, i guess one one of them is you know a, as a marketer some of the marketing things that we 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 preach um, we, it's not about being over them, but it's about trying something different this time around, right? You know, there was a time when every week you'd get an email us, right? Um, and then now and again, we'll send it once every two weeks, once every three weeks, you know, uh, like I did with my podcast not too long ago, you know, I took a break for, for four months, right? Now and again, we'll do that, uh, because other things are happening mm -hmm. or it's just about taking a break, you know? Um, you know, we're not a... We're not a mega formalized business that requires to do things at a particular way, which is the beauty of uh, of doing mm -hmm. what I do. You know, mm -hmm. it's about choosing what to do when I want to do it. Um, but back to the question: um, So, when you're starting out, try one email first, 
right? Look at the stats. Um, do another one, right? Um, in a month, what you want to do is try four in a month first. You could you could you could start that way, mm-hmm. and and it depends whether your start is do you have a database uh, existing already, right? Have they heard from you before? Um, you know, have you written anything to them before? Um, but I don't think um, I don't think four emails is too much. It is like at your peak. When you are at your peak, do four uh, four uh, emails in a month, so one a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, start there to see what it feels like, right? Um, and that's just from a, a frequency perspective. The more important thing is what is the content that's mm-hmm. in there? Is it useful? <clears throat> you know? Yeah. Um, like, what are you writing about? Is it an article? Is it a video? Is it something insightful? Uh, I mean, you, everybody who's sending emails or considering sending emails know what kind of emails they're receiving. Mm-hmm. And so they're perfect. In a, everyone is in a perfectly, posi- perfectly in a position to identify what works for you and what's going to work for your customers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you need to do the work and make sure you understand the, the buyer persona. What kind of a person are they? You know, I mean, you consider... You consider certain certain uh, age groups who are in a particular region. I mean, I look at the West. I mean, you can imagine how bombarded they are with email, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, insane, right? And then you look at the continent on 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 uh, on the continent on on, on, uh, on Africa, right? Whether you're in South Africa or other African countries, I mean, uh, you can't compare the the two continents in terms of just the the amount of emails that that people will typically receive. I mean. There are still pe- um, people in, in, in tens of millions who are predominantly on WhatsApp. They're not even on email. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So it might even be pointless to use email for marketing. So it's really about understanding um, your 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 target audience, who they are, you know, what kind of devices mm-hmm. they typically use. They receive communication and take it from there. You know, um, mm-hmm. but four times a month, if what you're doing is um, is educational, very useful, and more importantly, relevant. Right, mm-hmm. relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, four times a month is not bad, considering that that's probably what your competitors are doing right now. And it's also based on remember how how they came in. You know, how did you how did how did they opt in? Did they opt in into a series of emails? Mm-hmm. Did they opt in into an ebook? Did they uh, opt in into um, that weekly kind of check in with your strategy, with your marketing, with your people, whatever the case may be? Mm-hmm. Is it useful in that way? It could just literally be a reminder. You know. Remember to take to drink enough water in that week if you are in, in health and, and healthy eating, those kind of things. Um, it's not always about it should definitely not be about just selling and, and, and putting out offers, etc. Mm-hmm. It's about doing education uh, and helping your people to achieve the success in as far as the, the products and services you provide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh <laughs> um, do you do you align then your market? I don't know if you want to talk about your marketing strategy, but in terms of how you reach out to your clients or the people that sign up for your newsletters, is it part of your strategy to listen to what your clients' um, challenges and opportunities and things are? And that's p- kind of part of the content that you share with others. Um, and how do you know like what content you're going to put out and that kind of thing? Thanks. Um, that's um, it's a, a nice and broad question, right? Uh, so I'm going to touch on a few things. Um, one of them is, you know, I've had such a long career. It, I'm, I'm going to speak, obviously, uh, for, you know, for myself and from my perspective. I've had uh, not extensively long, but I've had at least about two decades, you know, um, since working for for Pastel back in 2001 up until today. I'm still fairly involved in the same uh, same stream of 
of opportunities, challenges, speaking to entrepreneurs, speaking to business executives, speaking to large company CEOs, board members, VCs. And so the, the conversation is really ongoing, right? And so whether you look at it from a sales perspective or you look at a human to human perspective or from a, being a networker who wants to build a community, one of the best things you want to do is ask about the other person, speak about the other person, right? And I, you know, I always drop this in now and again, is even if you were selfish and you were doing this for selfish reasons, you would still need to do that, which mm -hmm. is find out about the other person. Mm -hmm. You know, what are they trying to achieve? What do they need? Um, and even if th what they need is not necessarily something you provide, can you connect them to somebody else who can help them? Um, I, for many, whether it's because I'm African and we've got a motto called Ubuntu, which speaks to humanness, I see you and I understand the fact that you are probably going through the same problems I'm going through or the problems I've gone through before. And perhaps I can help you to overcome those problems. Right. Um, and, and, and so that that's in bread and we've got big families, right. And so we've got cousins, brothers, you know, so we're always looking out for each other. You know, we don't, we don't have the most in, in as far as uh, just naturally, you know, we don't, we don't live the most uh, exquisite lifestyles and so on. So we come from humble beginnings. And so it comes natural to just, know that uh, somebody else that you recognize is probably going through some challenges and and the best way to be of use in life in general not just in business is what value can you provide what contribution are you making to the community to the family and everyone and so it mm -hmm. comes from that perspective you know which is um find out what the other person needs and see how you can be of use to them so that's that's how you you are going to live you know it's about significance um it's about being of value uh, in general you know i mean uh, we don't need to go into this and coincidentally he's he's from canada uh, people like uh, dr john um, uh, i'm not sure if he's a doctor or professor uh, jordan peterson mm -hmm. he talks jordan about peterson, being, yeah. being of of service um and and, mm -hmm. and and contributing to community development and that's what it's about human level business level uh, and otherwise so it's really about coming from that perspective sales mm -hmm. or yeah. Um, uh, and, and then going to, uh, so, so that's the approach. And that's what we teach entrepreneurs to do is really to look deep. Well, you know, why did you start this business? What is the purpose of the business? What are you truly trying to, to achieve? If those pieces and those components are genuine, that's where you lead from, you know, mm -hmm. what value are you truly trying to provide? Um, and not even coincidentally, that is precisely the, the strategy we, we use to market. We put out content. Um, I mean, um, you know, we have a podcast just like you guys, you know, we'll interview some interesting people. They've got, you know, interesting information. It's not even um, products and services we sell, they sell, but because they are talking useful uh, educational content that our community could potentially utilize and, 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 and feed off and, and really grow from, we will just share it because that's what we want to do. We just genuinely want that. And that is how we market our business. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll find new opportunities where we can talk about what we do um, and, and find a way to give value, yeah? Plain and simple. Yeah, it makes me think of, um, like in, when we think of marketing and we're approaching clients, we we often give them the questions, like you're saying, like, what are you really here to sell? What are you really here to provide to the community? And some of these questions are things like, tell me why, and tell yeah. me why doesn't have big buy-in. Mm -hmm. Tell me how has bigger yeah. buy-in show me how has bigger buy-in like as as you lead up the informing and educating people get that trust and they will buy in more yeah that's very so true, true. Mm. So true. 
And with that in mind, you're offering two different courses coming up. Are you not? What are your what are your workshops? I think oh, yeah. Sorry, well, yeah, you're offering two workshops coming up. So, what so are yeah, next week, twenty fifth of October, we are doing um, our signature eight step sales process uh, workshop. Uh, this is about uh, you know helping people overcome you know fear, confusion, and just difficulty in selling. Uh, this is about teaching people a different perspective of selling um, and providing them something um, that that we're very proud of, which is a a specific process that you can repeat, you know, um, and it it just unlocks people's uh, ability to sell. You know, we remind people that number one is they sell all the time. They're always selling their ideas one way or another. They're speaking to people at home and at work and the like. So they are already doing something. We're just giving them a process in which they can slot, um, you know, every part of these conversations and stages that that um, that go th that a buyer would typically go through and what they as the seller needs to uh, particularly do in order to uh, to facilitate that buying process um, and by them number one finding people to to which they can speak to um, you know and the likes and taking them through this eight-step sales process so that's what we're doing um, on next week Thursday um, that's the eight-step sales process it's going to be a full day it's available on Quicket, um, quicket.co.za. Uh, so you can book with us or, of, of course, get in touch with me directly. Um, and then the we a month later, we are doing what's called the 10x uh, marketing funnel. Going back to, you know, so much of what we discussed today, uh, many people are still struggling with, uh, as you said, Quentin, what am I selling? To whom am I selling? Where are they? You know, how do they buy? Are they, you know, do I do I put together an ebook, a webinar? You know, what is this thing called a funnel? Mm -hmm. um, what is it? How do I implement it? And so, what we're going to do that entire day uh, for that workshop uh, in November is to uh, sit with a group of thirty business people, marketers, you know, business owners, and the likes, teach them how to implement these funnels using free tools and premium tools. Again, many of them have got these tools in place already but they're just not maximizing them. So um, the second workshop is really about helping people put together those inbound marketing-based uh, funnels that help them to attract um, relevant traffic, um, you know, the right quality of that traffic and put in place the technology that's going to help them to um, facilitate that buying process, nurturing and building that community. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a great workshop. Uh, can people still sign up for it? Is it also virtually? Still sign yeah. up next week is I think we are two uh, two thirds down. Um, we nice. still have a couple of people to confirm. We only take about thirty uh, people in, of course, so we can give the one on one enough one on one uh, interaction and engagement. Um, it's a full day workshop, and uh, and yeah, that's uh, people can still book uh, next week. I think we, as I mentioned, two thirds uh, two thirds in. Um, I think we are only one third in uh, for the workshop in November. Yeah, so there's definitely still seats available. Awesome. And are these recurring workshops just in case our listeners are catching this at a later time? Like, can they mm -hmm. click on the link below and and find information on quicker or on your website? Hundred percent. So um, we'll provide you with the links to uh, those uh, particular workshops, so they can go to those pages. Um, the, the workshops will be the last ones this year. Um, right. Um, the new ones, uh, the next ones will happen in the new year. Mm -hmm. uh, however, we do uh, private and, um, you know, private, uh, private sessions online and in person. 
so they can get in touch through those channels. As a matter of fact, we've got those options on those pages on our website, at least the ones I'll provide. So I'll give you the ones to our website, but if you wanna to go to Quicket, you'll find the same information over there too um, in our contact details. So um, happy to help, yeah. Amazing. Awesome, thanks. Thank you. Yeah. And we have one final question for you that we like to ask everybody on the show, and it is quite a broad question. So uh, we like to know, what is connection to you? So, um, you know, one of the things that I do is um, helping people to identify their um, what, what's called their natural energy. You know, are you a creative? Are you more of a people's person? Are you so? Are you likely to be a coach? Are you more of a marketer? Are you more systems uh, based? You know, are you more like an accountant or a business analyst? And one of the things I have, which I didn't realize, is uh, what, what's called the connector energy right which literally speaks to networking with people and so connecting with me is um is one of the the most important aspects of life that we need to 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 actually be not just alive but to be happy is a connection to other people belonging that's what it means that's what connection means for me it means a belonging whether you belong to a community you know at home where you live at work you know um and the likes it's really about belonging. Where do you belong? Um, and and within that space that you belong, um, you know, how are you adding value? Wonderful. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Love that answer. That's very beautiful. Everybody <laughs> yeah. gives such a different response, and that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I I really you. loved listening to you speak today. You have such an eloquent way of you know articulating your words. I think everyone is going to love this episode. There are lots of great learning bits in here for our listeners. So really appreciate you being here, KK. And uh, I love your spirit and your energy, and just oh, thank you. appreciate your time. Thanks, Joe, Thank Quentin. Uh, mad love for you both. Uh, and let's do this again. I would love to interview you both on my podcast. Yes. Yeah, so let's do this again. Yeah, please. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> It'll be our pleasure to chat again you. for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. If you've got a story inside of you, consider pitching it to us, the connectors. Get in touch with us on any of our social media platforms and either Joe or myself, Quinton, will get back to you. So come join us on the show and let's...